Welcome to Johnston River of Life. I think I've done a couple of those long sermons. Uh, <clears throat> and I've also been told, you know, I just keep going. Just keep going. So, yeah, I'll keep going today. How's that? Um, city names. City names come from somewhere. Oh, Are we doing a video? Yes, thank you. That's a good time for that. See, I've changed the sequence a little bit, so let's watch this first because it kind of sets the stage. didn't plan to wear the same shirt, but uh, <laughs> that worked. <laughs> you know, I, I also have to give kudos to the uh, the tech team. You know, too often it's, you know, the tech team is oversensitive to the things that, that are like, oops, that didn't work, oops, that didn't work. But uh, you, you should know how much they were, we had to mess with getting things situated this week. It's been that way forever for us because we've constantly been moving in and moving out and setting up and tearing down and every week is something new and different. We're still, uh, you know, actually the computer totally died this last week. So we're adapting and using Hopkins Grove's computer and it doesn't quite have the same uh, setup. And so we got here and we're adjusting things and I noticed the sound was coming back out of here. And you know what? You guys could hear fine, right? I noticed that last week, that same, had that same issue where it wasn't coming through the sound system. But it was the best part of the day. It's like everybody was totally listening. It's the quietest I ever hear the group, which is, yeah. So praise the Lord for that. Um, 
so let's go back to that that city thing. I, every city has a name for a reason, right? Do you, you know some cities get their names from certain places, right? Uh, anybody know how Miami got its name, where it came from? Hmm? Those from Florida want to try it? No. Miami? No, no, no. They actually, it's actually named after the Miami Native American tribe. Hmm, did you know that? Minneapolis, anybody know where Minneapolis comes from? Good cry? No. It's actually a combination of words. So in the Sioux language, uh, mini means water, and in Greek, polis means city. So it's city surrounded by water, or water city. Um, however, there are some cities that don't quite make sense to me. Um, there's a city called Embarrass, Minnesota. I think somebody from Iowa did that on purpose, just so we can have a joke we can say uh, on occasion. Um, there's also Accident, Maryland. Some that must not be the right place to live. Um, however, there's one that I found that I was like, this is the place that I want to wake up every morning. Um, if you ever just, of course, I haven't Googled it, so I don't know what it looks like, but the name is like it hits home. How would you like to wake up every morning in Hot Coffee, Mississippi? Uh-huh, there we go. Let me ask about Philadelphia. Who knows how Philadelphia got its name? Ooh. Named it right there, Bill. It is. It was William uh, Penn who said he wanted to name this the city of brotherly love. And it was intended that way because he wanted to be it to be a city where there was all complete religious tolerance. No matter what you believed, you were accepted, you were loved and respected, and it was just brotherly love. In fact, the word in Greek for brotherly love is Philadelphia. In fact, the word for today's scripture text, Hebrews 13, chapter, uh, chapter 13, verse 1, continue in Philadelphia is brotherly love. That's the kind of thing that we are challenged to do, to continue in love with one another and demonstrate that kind of love with one another. And then it goes on to say, and do not neglect to show hospitality and remember, in fact, it goes on to say, remember these things, and this is how we're supposed to do it. Um, because, you know, you, you can be told to continue in brotherly love and to love one another, but then the question is, well, what does that look like? Well, how do I do that? Well, verse 3 starts by saying, remember those in prison as if you were bound to them. Remember those who are mistreated as if you were suffering with them. And I'm going to point out this word, remember. This word, remember, in the Greek is Mimnesco. Mimnesco is this word that it does. It means to remember, but it means to place on your mind, to hold close at hand, to have a high level of personal self-involvement and personal interest. It's, it's like this deep, deep, intimate connection. It's like creating a hyperlink between you and someone else. Like when you click on one, the other one gets clicked. When, when one gets ticked off, the other one gets ticked off. When one person feels deep emotion, they feel the deep emotion. Um, it's like going to the doctor, reflexology. You know, you put your knee on the, and they go blink and you go, poo. You guys, right? Or actually, the more fun one is if you like reach the back of your throat, you hit that little epiglottis dongle thing. They call that a gag reflex. It's, it's this 
reflex. You touch one thing and it causes a reaction. This passage is talking about having us remember or place us in such deep connection with one another that this is a reflex action. When one person feels pain, the other one feels it too. Like a mother weeping for a child because she can't take away their pain. Like a friend seeing someone cry and weeping with them without having any real explanation why. It reminds me of a couple other passages. Romans 15, 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It's this connection that we're, we're bound together in a very intimate way that we are reflexive in relationship. Galatians 6.2 says, carry one another's burdens. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. And by the way, you carry someone's burdens, it doesn't mean that you can completely take it away. Because they're still, they still belong to someone else, and they still feel the weight of whatever they're carrying, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical. But we can stand beside them, and we can carry. We can support, and we can show love. You see, God intends for humanity to be intimately connected, linked in this kind of way, deeply and intimately. Brotherly love is the kind of thing that binds us together. It's the kind of thing that helps us remember and reflexively connect to one another. Um, here's a quiz question. You go to the hardware store and you're going to purchase... Uh, either rope or cable or chain, and there's usually a number that goes with it depending on what you're doing with it that you want to look at. What's that number? What do you call that? Tinsel strength, right? It's the strength of that rope. How much can it handle before it breaks? How much will that chain hold before it cannot hold anymore? And this text is talking about an absolute, an ultimate, an unbreakable kind of connection, like God is in connection with us, that we would have the same kind of brotherly love linked to one another, to care for one another. Oh, but then I have to look at and ask myself another question. So who again is this passage pointing out? You know, interestingly enough, it, it omits, it leaves out the things that we would expect, be intimately connected with family or friends or peers. This passage specifically addresses strangers. And then it goes on further and it addresses those who are imprisoned and those who are mistreated. These are the people that we should remember, we should link ourselves to in ways that we are reflexive. strangers or it says remember those who are in prison as if you are bound to them if you are literally wearing their shackles remember those who are mistreated as if you are suffering with them that's heavy in fact i took it one step further and i began to process this well what happens if what happens if my feelings or my emotions, my thoughts, my opinions are in conflict with theirs? 
Does that mean mine are right? Or theirs are right? Or, or you know, actually it doesn't say anything about arguing about who's right or who's wrong in th this particular case. It, it kind of talks about, in fact, it does not say anything about binding them to your shackles or causing them to carry your burdens. It points out that our role as Christians is to be the one who reflexively feels their pain, who commits to be bound with them as they are bound and suffer with them as they suffer. You know what? Actually, let's look at Christ. Christ came to do what? To, to carry our burdens? Christ came to do what? Did, or did Christ impose penalty? Or did Christ simply come to say, I'm here to walk beside you? To see your pain and your suffering and to lift you up. To set free the oppressed. You know, I started looking at this deeper. I began to ask myself, can I really do this? Can anyone really do this? In, in fact, set aside my own feelings and, and thoughts in, in such a way that I care for someone else so deeply that, that I feel their, their pain or suffering. Now, the truth is, I can, I can watch a movie and I can cry. Any, yeah? Everybody else watch a movie and cry on occasion? The Chosen will bring that out of me on occasion. Uh, I can watch it and, and momentarily be connected and weep and then... I turn it off and I go on with my life. But this passage is, is talking about something that goes beyond just a momentary connection. It's talking about an ongoing hyperlink, a, a linking where we care so much that when someone's suffering, we carry that burden moment by moment, day by day with them. Even when, when you're apart, you, you carry the weight because you know the weight that they're carrying. It's like being linked in such a way that literally you feel like you were gut punched when someone gets bad news. In the passage from Isaiah, I don't know if you heard it or not, I would encourage you to go home and read that one a couple more times. That's a powerful passage. It says, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and for the afflicted, then your light will shine. That literally your gloom, by the way, how many, anybody ever have a gloomy day? Gloomy day, just once in a while. That your gloom will be like the noonday. If you pour yourself out for others, this is the kind of thing that, that begins to transform because all of a sudden your, your light shines so brightly that even in the midst of gloom, it feels like a bright light. It goes on to say that in the midst of doing these kinds of things, pouring ourselves out for the hungry, for the afflicted, we can translate that to the imprisoned and to those who are mistreated. When we're doing that, it goes on at the end of verse 12 to say that you become the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets of dwelling. What would it look like what would someone look like who's called a repairer of the breach? Someone who stands in the gap and, and even though there's a breach and it feels like, some, like all the forces of the world are coming at you, you're able to stand there and repair and restore and bring safety to those who are feeling like 
that had been stolen from them? What would it feel like to, to be the person who is the restorer of the streets of dwelling? They're really fixing the places that people were living and, and the places that they were calling home. You know, I, I thought about these and I began to put them in context. It'd be like you're literally fixing the infrastructure of a destroyed community. Isn't that what we're called to do? Isn't that what being church, what being like Christ is all about? So I began looking around and asking myself, what part of my community do I see that is in shambles? Or what part of relationships do I see that have been breached or they need to be repaired? What streets or connections between individuals no longer feel safe that I can, I can pour myself out for to bring healing and restoration? That I can be the repairer the restorer. Because isn't that who Christ was? And isn't that who Christ called us to be? You know, when I, I've been doing a lot of reflecting on, specifically on Johnston River of Life as we're taking this new step into a, a building and been doing a lot of praying over what does that look like and, and being Christ in community as our mission statement over the last 10 years Living, worshiping out of a church building or in the parks, small groups in people's homes. And I've seen, I've witnessed, you know, what you saw up here talking about being in service, in mission and ministry, caring for community, and sending people out. That's next week. All of these things that God is doing. And I, I see that we as a church are standing in the gap. We're restoring homes and families. And I can look out and I can see and I can, and I'm aware of how God has been at work in those ways, in very powerful ways. And I see in your faces when someone is weeping and you weep with them. When someone is rejoicing and you rejoice with them. I can see that link, that bond of friendship, of brotherly love. And it's not just between us here, but it's, it's what you take out in your relationships in the world. You see, church is not just about setting ourselves apart or finding a building in which we can call home and, and a safe place to hide behind. It's not about separating ourselves from the broken in fact, the truth is it's about gathering the broken of whom we are. And it's about binding ourselves together with and pouring ourselves out for the restoration of community and families and neighbors. The truth is I celebrate being a part of Johnston River of Life, of being a part of Hopkins Grove and Humboldt and witnessing God work and stir through your relationships and your servant hearts of caring for one another. That is what being church, what being a Christian, what being community together is all about. I'm not going to change the church name to Philadelphia, but I love the brotherly love concept. And I love that we are constantly remembering each other 
Brothers and sisters, I challenge you to go out, to continue in brotherly love, to remember one another and even those strangers that you've never met, but link yourself to them that you might show the same kind of love to one another that Christ has shown to you. Would you pray with me? Holy and mighty God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this word, this challenging and yet powerful word that gives us heart of hope and a reminder to love one another as you have loved us, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep. And Lord God, we pray that you would help us um, to live into that to the fullest of our ability. And we pray this in your name. Amen.